Hi, my name is Eric. And I'm Shalila. And this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies and their place in our culture. Maybe that's where we should kick things off with movies' current place in our culture. And by that, I mean some movie theaters are opening soon. That's actually a very good point. I hadn't thought about that, uh, that we should talk about that. But you're you're probably, like, I feel like that's actually very important for us to talk about. Yeah, it just, it just occurred to me that July, which is not very far away at all, yeah. is when, at least in the U.S. and the U.K., most large chains are restarting, albeit with yes. regulations and things that are obviously very important. Yeah, ba- from what I've seen from AMC and from Cinemark, which are the two I follow the most, although I think I've seen that Regal is doing something similar, um, it's like half capacity, something like that. Like there can be no more than like 60 seats filled in a theater. Um, they like, everything's being wiped down. Honestly, a lot of the regulations just made me wonder what they were doing before though. <laughs> like a right. lot of the regulations, like we're going to clean every seat after every showing. I was like, are you not doing like, that? What are, like, how are we even living all this time? I feel like you should have been doing that. That just seems like right. basic kind of health, but okay. Yeah. Um, and there was like some other stuff too, like the well, I think the biggest thing is they're not requiring masks. Uh, although I think AMC just reversed on that, so right, yes. I think AMC is requiring. I don't know if Cinemark is, but they were sort of waffling on whether or not they wanted people to follow the directions of every healthcare professional in the world. So yeah, good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, I think I think in the UK they're probably require it which is probably easier because people here are slightly less likely to take it as a personal affront that they have to wear a mask so lucky (laughs) might work (laughs) yeah what a world it is um might work a little better have you seen some of the movies that That they're that they're coming back with what What, what, yeah it's awesome it's like really strange uh so the one that i saw today was cinemark basically cinemark is doing obviously everything in their power to get people to come back. So they sent an email out to their Cinemark subscribers, whatever we're called. And they were like, okay, first it's like crazy ticket pricing. Like, I think it's like $7 tickets to begin with, like not on Tuesdays, just period, $7 tickets, mm-hmm. $5 tickets for kids, um, $5 popcorns, uh, like larges, like they're doing anything. But the movies they're coming back with are Jumanji I think the next level, I don't think it's actually the first one, which is strange, but Jumanji, Hmm. Mean Girls, The Matrix, and Back to the Future. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? (laughs) I I kind of like most of that, to be fair. It just, what? It's not a bad slate. It's an enjoyable slate, but I couldn't believe they were doing it. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, basically, (laughs) they're just, they're trying to, like, explode back into summer blockbusters. Interesting. Because there aren't any summer blockbusters, so they're just, like, bringing back, they even said it's, like, we we brought back like the most requested suburb movies of all time or something. And I was like, all right, not yeah. Bad. They've probably been sitting on those requests for years. Like people were like, well, you should bring yep. the Matrix back, and they were like, yeah, we'll think about it. And like, we finally, don't have any money for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's so interesting. I should look up what the UK is doing. I, I bet I bet it's equally weird. Um, it's either it's either that or they'll be extremely boring and just re-air what was in cinemas right before everything shut down. So. I don't know. That's kind of what I was assuming they would be yeah. doing, like, large-scale, I figured, yeah. Yeah, I don't know well, if that would be good, because people would be, people might have spent all this time going, oh, I'm sad I missed it, and now they get to watch it, or if they're just so bored, because technically it's been, like, a four-month advertising campaign to get you to watch 
I don't know, onward that they're like, I'm never going to see that now. Screw you. I That's honestly, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that would be the mistake. Like, I think they have to, um, like, personally, I think they need to uh, uh, not go back. Yeah. I just, I just can't, like... I mean, first, I do not plan on attending theaters. Like, let me be no, clear. No, but on yeah, that. that's, let's that, just be clear. <laughs> until they say there's a vaccine, the last place I am going is into a movie theater. And, and I adore movie theaters. large room. Yes, yeah. it's like a box that you put a bunch of sweating, coughing people inside of. And I'm fine with that on a normal day, but this isn't that. All that being said, if I was going to, I just don't think I'd be excited to go see any of the stuff I met. Like, even, even if I was really jazzed to see it, like, if you're like, well, you could go see. Like, for your first movies back, you could go see Emma or, Invisible I don't know, Man. like, I, I, Invisible Man. I just can't imagine being like, oh, you mean that movie from five months ago? Right. That's that's okay. Like, I'm fine. I'd rather you show me old, like, older things that I can be excited about seeing because maybe I never got the chance to. Like, The Matrix. Like, I think that's actually a good bid. Never had that chance, so. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'm hopeful. I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing there's just it, the part of me that just wants movie theater normalcy is a severe war with the part of me that's like so many people are going to get sick and you are all horrible at, at anything so don't go into yeah, movie course. theaters and yeah. sequester yourselves this can only go south so i, I actually i uh a couple of friends of mine and i were thinking about it's currently raining outside of chicago so this would not be the day for it but I was seriously considering, and I've started researching, uh, those like inflatable screens, because there's a big park near us, and I thought it might, I don't think Chicago's doing anything with them, which makes sense, like I'm not saying they should, but all that being said, like if you can't have a movie theater, outdoor movie theaters make sense right now, if you force people, like you're like, okay, blankets have to be six feet apart, uh, you know, whatever, and then the way that I had it all figured out, I was like, I think I could do this on my own if I just get a... If I get an inflatable screen, if I can, the, the biggest cost is the projector. Even if I don't get a screen, I can just get like a sheet. Right. And then, uh, because I think the way I can do this is I can hook up the computer to be projecting out and then I can just do a Zoom call and I can have everybody uh -huh. join the Zoom call audio so they can just listen to the film and then we don't even have noise regulation problems. Right. Like it's not like the, the right. houses around have to like complain about your us own hack really of loud speakers. Drive-in radio thing. Yes, exactly. So everyone can and I you know, it's kinda weird, but also it gets everybody out of the house and the ability to like sit down and listen to something. I don't know another comparison except I've only seen them on TV, but there's like that weird trope of European clubs where everyone puts on headphones and like has their yeah. own dj yeah. they're listening to but they're all in the same club yeah i don't know if that actually exists in the real world but i've seen it on tv it's that but movies that's my plan i love it it's fantastic yep we'll, we'll see keep us happens. updated very excited well today we are talking about something very relevant uh i like to just keep this relevancy train going we are talking about the so 2012 animated film brave <laughs> yes so the reason we are talking about this is because at the beginning of June, uh, we ran a fundraiser um, for a variety of uh, Black Lives Matter organizations and uh, basically organizations surrounding supporting protesters and black communities. And as part of that, people could pick their, I don't know, thank you gift, essentially. Um, and one of the things that I was like auctioning off, for lack of a better word, was personal. Uh, basically, people could pick whatever movie they wanted and we would do a podcast episode on it. So, 
Uh, this particular episode is a thank you to Carrie Schutte for having donated to our fundraiser. Um, and she wanted to pick Brave because I believe it is one of her favorite movies. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I hope I have nice things to say now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's okay. I think she knows. She knows that we're, we're, I I think she's listened before. So I feel like she knows that we're, we're professionals. You know, we have good and bad. Yeah. We won't be swayed. (laughs) So. You and I both just rewatched this movie. I actually just uh, watched this movie for the first time. For the time. first time ever. Yeah. Aha. Okay. Well, let me ask you then, what did you think? Like, just first, you know, surface level thoughts. What was your first reaction since you've never seen it before? Yeah. Um, first reaction, really sweet. Short and sweet. I was, the very first thought I had was this movie was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. It's like 80 minutes, right? Um, which yeah. I liked, man. I thought it was a cute little tale. And I, I think, I obviously, if there's a movie from 2012 that I haven't seen, that means I've heard things about it. And I'd heard that it was, you know, not one of the, the more loved Pixar movies and people had some, some problems with it. So I, th- I thought maybe I'd hate it. And I definitely thought it was strange, but didn't hate it. And um, I liked it. I think, I think we've got more to talk about, but um, I was ple- pleasantly surprised. It was a good movie. I think, so this is my probably only second rewatch if we're being honest i'm actually not sure if i ever saw it after i saw it in theaters um and i would agree i think i was actually more you know what i think it was it was like simultaneously i was surprised at how much i liked the stuff that i liked but then i was more disappointed by the stuff that i was disappointed by like i I really like peaked and valleyed hard where i was like oh wow that was way better than i you know the, the things i liked really did work and then the things that didn't i was like man that it really did That's like I was I was probably being yeah. too generous um I think the first place I want to start with this is and I, I don't I don't mean to like speak for your opinion in its totality but I'm gonna say that as a general rule people in general and I, this podcast feels that brave is like a fine movie yeah Would you agree like it's not it's not bad at all it's and there is way worse Pixar films uh as those of you who have not listened to our Pixar podcast you can go listen and figure out which ones are bad uh, I'll give you a hint. It's Cars 2. Yeah. <laughs> so there are bad movies, and this isn't one of them. The What I want to start with is I think this is one of those weird examples of, like, uh, this and Dark Knight Rises, I think, came out at just the, like, basically the same time, right around that same year. I'm thinking of, like, other ones like uh, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, for example. Like, movies that are not bad, it's just that the people or the company that makes them are so good that when you make a movie that isn't up to the typical par line, it feels like it's worse than it is. So I remember when Brave coming out and thinking like, ah, Pixar, what have you done? How far have you fallen? Because it wasn't like game changing, wreck me in the theater, ruin my life forever, emotion and animation, which isn't like a fair bar. (laughs) Like that's just not how we should judge things. But the problem is they're just so good at delivering a grade that it's it's weird to be sitting with like a solid B movie. Totally. I also, in retrospect, um, since I, I'm watching this movie now and not back when I, I was receptive to any of the marketing, but I didn't even realize that this was their first, I think, first female protagonist and, and also yeah. or something like that. And their first, obviously, first love interest, pre-princess and that kind of stuff. But... Yep. They were juggling a lot of firsts as well. So, I mean, there was pressure. That Not only that, on the, the narrative side, this was also 
basically the birth of their new animation system. Yes, yes. They, like, utterly redid their entire animation system for the first time in 25 years for this movie. So I kind of like what you're getting at there, which is, like, maybe there's a reason why this feels like it's maybe a B grade is because they were actually doing a lot of new things for the very first time. Yeah, I also remember uh, reading now, obviously, because I knew we were doing this podcast, not because this ever occurred to me in the past, but they like this went through a lot of people's hands like i know this happens with a lot of pixar movies anyway and then a lot of them turn out great so it's not really an excuse but it started out with a woman who was helming the project and it was meant to be about you know inspired by her relationship with her mother and then it ended up being in the hands of a bunch of dudes and she was also apparently fired because she was kind of incompetent so that's fair i don't want it to just be a gender thing but then they kind of had to spin how they do the movie. So you're, you're right. There was a lot of brouhaha going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I remember reading about that too. Like there was a lot. Uh, there's actually a, a really good, um, the Bechtel cast, good good podcast episode from them. Um, highly recommend that for anybody who's looking for um, specifically like um, uh, a podcast about movies and specifically in relation to women in those movies and whether or not they pass the Bechtel test. Um, there's a great episode on Brave from them, and I remember them talking about that, going really in-depth into, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, and, yeah, it does seem like it was really convoluted. Like, there was a lot of, like, weird disagreements about where it was going to be, and, like, I think I was reading that in the original one, the there was definitely, like, more boys involved men involved even though like the story was more about like the relationship with the daughter there was also i think there was like a boy protagonist like in other words Mm. like it just it went through so many weird changes but where it ended up still feels like a uh like it's hard to tell whether or not it ended up in a good way or a bad way if that makes sense like like i don't know and and you know i feel like the interviews are always you have to take them with a grain of salt where if i'm not mistaken the uh brenda chapman who is the person who was replaced um, talked about like oh her like vision still came through the film and like she's she's proud of the movie ultimately but it's you know I, I don't know it's hard to know whether or not people are being honest with that or whether or not they just have to say it but right I mean it, it's, I would it's agree hard with to you really that take it's, anyone's word for anything yeah I think we're definitely going to talk about this but there is I do get the feeling that this movie was two different movies yes great. this matches my thesis a, perfectly fantastic yeah there's a moment where this movie becomes a completely different movie and you're like oh and then there's a moment okay. again where they switch back to plot one and then after they have her out yep. of plot two and you're like there are clearly two plots here sir yeah. yeah yeah and i don't know which i prefer right uh, that's the thing it's like i, I think, think there's an easy way out is to say that you prefer one of them yeah. but the problem is that there's actually some really cool magic with magic i don't just mean literally i mean the magic of Pixar with the other one. No, yeah, there's like legitimately two very interesting stories and they tell half of each. And it's like, well, I would have rather you just picked one or the other, I think. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe uh, with that kind of introduction, we should start by saying, if you have not seen Brave, it is the story of a Scottish princess in medieval, medieval Scotland, Scotland, I yep. suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah i don't really pre-roman scotland i don't really know what the right designation nah, it's medieval but uh uh basically it is about a scottish princess in medieval scotland who is uh hashtag not like other girls and uh is basic like you know doesn't want to be princessy for lack of a better word uh i do remember watching the first season of game of thrones and wondering whether this stole 
from Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones stole from Brave. Like I couldn't like with Arya, couldn't figure out who stole from whom because it felt like exactly the same plot of like, like we there were to identical get scenes. Yeah. Be a pr- yeah, that's exactly what I mean. It was like, here's your bow, and you're like, hmm. Yeah. Um basically she doesn't want to be princess, she doesn't want to get married, and she just wants to it's actually not clear. I will say that's another one of the negatives of the film. I don't know what she wants to do instead. I think she just doesn't want to be beholden to a certain decision. She just wants to be able to pick for herself. That's right. kind of the whole thing. Um, also, she's good at archery. And the movie is about her and her mother's relationship uh, as they push through that conflict. Yeah. And also, <laughs> her mother turns into a bear. <laughs> There's a lot of bears in this movie. This movie There's is lot secretly bears. about bears. It is kind of, of just bears everywhere. Every yep. single element of this movie has visual and verbal mentions of bears all the time. Yep, which is unexpected. Yeah, it's it's kind of the bear movie at the end. I think it something. definitely became that a little bit in the culture of like that move, the, the Pixar bear movie. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, basically that, that big... I don't know, twist, I guess, is that uh, the princess Merida finds a uh, witch in the woods and asks the witch to change her mom so that her mom will no longer force her to marry a prince. And the witch says, okie doke, and gives her a cake, and the cake turns her mom into a bear. So then it's a classic, we can't understand each other, and we have to learn to understand each other in order to undo this curse story. And that's brave. Yeah, maybe we should talk about some of the stuff we liked about this movie and then talk a little bit about our complicated relationships with it after. Love it. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'll start. I'll, I'll say something I really liked about this movie. Um, it, I really liked that it felt really magical. It, it really, like, the pixar really came out with the, the sort of fantasy element that wasn't too heavy-handed. It was, like, you know, some lore, some magic, some, some um, tales... Um, the the will of the wisps the just the general scenery um, it kind of felt like a Zelda game and I really liked that like I I just liked how they mm. they did it it did, I felt like it wasn't too much of a I don't have a problem with fantasy I love fantasy but I just think they told a pretty grounded story with also some cute fantasy elements and I enjoyed it what do you think of the fantasy stuff I'm getting the sense that you didn't like it no you know I think. Uh... I didn't really mind the fantasy stuff. I think it was more, I think we can get this in the complicated feelings part, but I think the fantasy elements often overrode the parts that I really enjoyed, which was the more, uh, the more grounded, like mother daughter relationship Mm -hmm. aspect. I think it sometimes overwhelmed it in a way that, for example, like, uh, onward doesn't because it's, it's baked into onwards DNA. Like it has to be there here it doesn't have to be there and we know that because half the movie doesn't have it right um but no i I didn't mind the fantasy elements and i would agree with you that i think it's like very chill fantasy for lack of a better word it's just more fairy tale and less like fantasy epic which i think is very much the right tone um yeah i liked it it's uh uh there's like some funny fantasy sort of jokes in almost a shrek kind of way like yeah (laughs) you know voicemail potions and uh things like that that are just kind of like quippy and funny and it's that's always enjoyable to see um i will say i think maybe uh maybe i'm interrupting our enjoyment part here but something i would have liked to see more is maybe a little more dive into 
the actual fan like Scottish fantasy. Like you don't, you know, like uh, they, they sort of more touch historically on historically accurate lore. I guess so. Yeah. In other words, like um, you know, we kind of get what will o' wisps are, but kind of not. Like in other words, you know, like those are the, those are things that are deeply a part of these cultures, and and especially like going way back into folklore. And I think it would have been kind of interesting to hear about that a little bit and to to get a little more dive into it. Um, and I guess that's just another one of the things that it kind of pushes and pulls against is it, it couldn't quite figure out what that was. But yeah, like sure. I said, in general, I really liked that. Um, I really think the the uh, nature scenes, like the landscape scenes, this was Pixar. I think like really the first time they started exploring that and they, I'm not really sure they got their hands on it completely until the good dinosaur when it was just yeah. mind blowing, but they're pretty good here. Uh, the forest scenes are beautiful. Um, and the other thing I think, like, I don't know why this is just coming to me, but the thing I think sticks with me the most is her hair. The animation God, on yes. her hair is Fantastic. tremendous. Really, really good. There's some close-up scenes where you're just kind of shocked yeah. at how well animated that the hair is. And it's very, like, um, it's the very dense. There's patterns. a lot of layers, lots of, yeah, yeah. lots of colors. It's, it's really well done. So, yeah, I... I uh, I think my favorite parts of these movies, though, uh, was very much the relationship with the mother and the just kind of the basic like emotional beats between her and her mother and her and her father. I thought there was a lot of really sweet interactions there. And I think that's where the movie really soared for me. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll probably get there. But the close family relationship is probably the best part of what they created. Um, I, I think this also goes without saying, but I, I loved Merida. I just, I really liked her. I, I think we can dive into how the story treated her and the different directions she was pulled into. But I think as a pure character, like if she were to get a sequel or a TV show or something, I love her as a character. I love her so much. I think she's so fun. They did her really well. I liked her. I, I think she's like somebody I would like to see a lot more of. I agree. It's, uh, it does feel very strange. They released a... Um a short film that explores the uh, villain of this movie, Hmm. but they've never, as far as I know, they've never done anything about Merida. uh, Like, I don't know about books or anything, but they've never done any animated shows. And they uh, tangled just had like a very, I think their series just wrapped up like tangled. The series um, was really popular and had like a very big cult following. And I really feel like brave seems like it should be able to fit into that niche. Like, I don't know. There's just seems like there's a lot that you could explore again. Like, you know, do a monster of the week. Merida goes and hangs out with whatever Scottish folklore creature you want to draw up. And it just seems like an obvious win. And I feel like we're kind of missing it. Right. I also have, I mean, this is something we'll talk about more, but the trailers for this movie were a lot, they, they, they hinted at this movie being a lot more action adventure than it was. Um, Mm -hmm. Which also means that I would really like to see her do a nice action adventure. Like, I I really do think that she deserves and could do great justice to a more just straight-up action-related storyline where she just has to go off and do something. Like, Like a modified version of this movie where her entire role is to go off, join those men and boys, and try and defeat the bear or something. Something where she's just off being herself because they gave her a lot to work with. and It's cool. She's really cool. Something, I'm going to maybe jump the gun on the complaint section. Maybe this is more of a question. So, something I thought was interesting on the rewatch is typically, I'm going to say just like as a general rule, if a character, especially in like your fantasy style or or hero's journey style movie, 
if they're given a very specific trait, I feel like it's usually because that trait comes up in the story. So, like, for example, very early on in Two Star Wars, you hear Luke talk about how he's a good pilot, and of course that's going to come back around at the end. My question here is, Merida is shown and told to be an amazing archer. Like, that's her whole thing. She's amazing at archery, and she is, and that's great. And uh, we actually would like to talk about at the end the real-world implications of that. There's, like, really interesting things that happened because of this movie. Right, yeah. But my question is, why is it in the movie? I can't figure that out. And it, it's not that's not to say that characters, especially, like, uh, female characters, young girls, young women characters, that they can't have traits that's not what I'm trying to say. It's that generally in narrative, especially like children's narrative, if you were given a very specific trait like that, it's supposed to come back around. Like that's the reason it's there is it's right. meant to be something. For example, the other person who was shooting arrows at this time, uh, everyone's favorite Hunger Games lead. Uh, in my memory of the Hunger Games movie, uh, Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss is like, shooting stuff at home right she's like a hunter like she kills every, a deer i feel like, like every big decision movie. in the series hinges on her being a good actor like, actually right matters. it like happens at the beginning of the movie and you're like oh she's a great hunter so that later when she's in the dome obviously you're like what weapon is she gonna pick ah she's gonna pick a bow got it right. like it comes back around and in this movie that just isn't the case the archery is just there and i i couldn't figure out if i was just missing something so i was curious if you had any thoughts on that no, I just agree with you. I, I, it's 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 a perfect little self-contained metaphor for how the arrow doesn't quite reach its target in this movie. Uh, it's it's nice, one of those yeah. things where <laughs> thank you, I was sitting on that for a bit. Uh, where there there are a couple things here where like I don't know if there was an original purpose for this that got knocked out at some point during the story process because again, on all accounts of what we've heard from, I think I can't remember what her real name is the nice Chapman lady and everybody else interviewed, they, they seem to have said that the bones of the story have stayed the same throughout. They just added in right. a few things. So again, I don't think that this was any different, but even things like why is this movie called Brave? I, I, we can talk about that, but there are a couple of things there where it just doesn't hit. Like I'm not, I'm just not sure about it. You know, um, I don't, I don't know if they just thought that it was quite enough for her to be into archery because it, number one, it, it serves its purpose enough in the movie. Like, it just, just the times that she shoots arrows just show that she's diligent. Um, and and or it's a stand-in for her being more physically oriented and thus, you know, wanting to wield swords and run around. But you're right. The, the, it's very specific. It's one of those thematic things in a, in a hero's journey story, like you said, where it just needs to come yeah. around. Like, it has to be specific or it doesn't hit. It feels weird. Right. And it, it's not that it couldn't, I guess. It's just that it's not typical. And it's so not typical that it actually distracted me a little bit. Like, for example, yeah. the way that it's set up in this movie is her dad gives her the bow. And to me, as soon as I watched that, I'm like, aha, this is going to somehow or other come back around where, you know, my guess would be through either conflict or support. She's going to need to use this in relation to her father. And then at the very end of the movie, she ends up having a sword fight with her dad. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, we never... Okay. Like, I don't... Wait a minute. Like, I, I understand she could do both, but why did we do the whole bow thing then? So I, uh, I'm glad you brought up the brave part too. It just in general felt like there was... It's almost like they were substituting in uh, like shorthand rather than fleshing out the complexity that it might have needed or like it could have soared with so like rather than building in traits 
to show that she is uh like you just said like uh diligent or like um maybe it's more about being physical and like that's how she solved things is like through literally like if i shoot it with the arrow that's how it's accomplished rather than having some like larger complex kind of dive into that they're just sort of say like okay well she's got the bow so they'll figure it out right like that you know that she's not like a girl because she has a bow okay well i guess but right and it it doesn't it doesn't help that i mean they use in the first half of the movie they use it quite heavily like with her putting the bow on the table and that being representative of her you know not being queen material or you know princess material and then with yep. her mother and her having that screaming match where it culminates in her mother and she throws it in the fire. fire exactly i'm like well all yeah. of this symbolism only makes sense if you continue the theme of her being an archer and that being so yes. stronger and close to her heart to the end of the movie yep. i thought about the same thing with the with the fire i was like okay well she threw it in there and from my memory i was like i don't think this comes back but maybe i'm wrong and i thought for sure that somehow you know at the end of the movie like she's got to fix the tapestry but her mom also has to go fix the bow or something like something to represent like both sides having to come together and realize that it's okay and like for a completely like to (laughs) without going into the metaphor like they just have to respect each other's hobbies right like Like they have to literally be like tapestry is the craft which is the delicate your hobby's okay queen thing and the the bow is the physical freedom but it doesn't but no no yeah it doesn't. In fact, the the one scene I will say, I actually, uh, I want to highlight since we're technically still in the we like things part. Right. Um, one of the things I actually really did enjoy, even though it has nothing to do with the archery again, was there's a scene late in the movie in which uh, Merida has been trapped inside of her room by her father, who for lots of reasons thinks that there's a bear in the castle that's going to kill her and has already killed his wife. That bear, of course, happens to be his wife. So he locks her in her room and she's trying to get out. And I actually really liked this sequence because they really effectively show that Merida, like she has to start thinking about things differently or she will not succeed. Because her first reaction is she like picks up a fire poker and she just starts like beating the crap out of the door and she breaks a window. And like she she's like trying to physically brute force, which is who she is. She's just like a, a pure power of will. She's trying to will her way out of this room, and it's just not going to happen. And instead, she has to rely on other people. She has to go rely on her brothers in order to basically get her out of this room, and it's just not going to happen otherwise. And I thought that was a really clear, easily like communicated, effective scene, and I think it was one of the highlights of the movie for me. I totally agree. Back to this thing we keep talking about, which is that the mother-daughter relationship is the possibly the strongest thing about this movie is that that's one of those moments where she learns from her mother it kind of inadvertently that you do just have to like stand back and be graceful about things and i don't use grace to mean femininity though obviously that's equated in this the sense of the mother but she her whole deal is like i'm just gonna go and be aggressive and it's gonna work out and i'm not gonna think things through because i just i can i can do it and the mother is more like i can i can never rush into these things i just have to sit down and think really hard about what the next move is and i guess she kind of has to you know pull back on her natural approach and do something that her mother would have done which is like not to try and beat the door open and instead to think her way out of the situation you know i don't mean to say right. that she doesn't think and her mother doesn't fight but they just had they have to learn those respective things from each other and i think it's one of those cute moments where she she she's forced to see things the way her mother would have to in that moment which is nice okay so uh, is there anything else you want to cover that you really enjoyed? 
Oh yes, I actually do have one proper thing. I, I really liked the score. I, I loved the, the music. I'm not sure that I was the hugest fan of the original tracks. I like them a lot. They're lovely and pleasant and they went really well with the scenes that they were in. I think they carried those, you know, that she's riding through the forest scenes perfectly. But I was just the biggest fan, I think, of the score. I really liked that kind of magical music that they, um, that I can't remember his name, the guy who did the music. <laughs> wow. Patrick Peaked. Doyle. Thank you. I actually knew that. I looked it up like, Two minutes before we started recording um <laughs> it, i was like peter peter I, I see okay i'm this is unnecessary but the problem is that peter doctor is involved with pixar and has the same initials and he's another man uh, yeah so that's what yep. threw me off okay um just to say that i had a reason um but yes i like the music a lot i like the score most importantly i thought it was very pleasant and i have been listening to it for the past two days that's the last entirely positive thing I have to say about this movie. I'm actually going to completely agree with you on that. I, I Maybe actually a little more negative than you. I don't think I was a big fan of the original songs either. Like, I, I, they were fine. Like, I'm not... They're, they're fine, like, on their own, I guess. In the movie, I don't have another way to describe this other than to say it felt like I was watching the Scottish fantasy version of Cars when those songs would come on. Because I don't understand. <laughs> Cars is the Pixar movie that like most uses songs, like real world songs. Like you're like, oh great, here's Rascal Flatts singing a song because it takes place in a world that is like modernity and is meant to reflect that. And you've got Randy Newman and Toy Story a little bit, but like those again are movies that are set in like the real world. This is a pure fantasy film in a sense. So the score is beautiful. And then all of a sudden, there's just, like, a Mumford & Sons written song. And I love Mumford & Sons, but it just takes me out of it a little bit, where I'm like, oh, right, we're in, like, a movie. Not like, a, I don't know, there's just something that it hmm, breaks that the sense. fantasy wall for me a little bit. And I want that fantasy wall maintained. And the uh, to, uh, to go back to your main point, the score is phenomenal. Really, really good. Uh... And from the little bit I know about it, like, uses a lot of interesting, like, Celtic instruments and yes, musical styles. Yes, yes, yes. And very interesting. And then here are some people singing songs in the style of the <laughs> <Here's> 2010s <Birdie. laughs> indie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I don't know, it just kind of threw me for a loop. But um, the score, definitely. Very good. That's fair. Uh, yeah. The last super positive thing I'll say, which I had no knowledge about just in the little bit of research I did about this movie uh, not that I would have ever noticed this. I just thought it was interesting. There are three original tartan patterns made for this movie. Yes, I googled that too. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Disney went and like trademarked their own, like uh, or registered with like the Scottish Department of Tartans. Tartan, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, hey, here's the ones we want, and they they were really intense about it. They're like, oh, we had to use like certain dyes because those dyes are the ones that would have existed in the ancient period, etc. Yeah, and they, they so. like the colors all represent something. Like the, the green represents the, the to something of Scotland and they're they're all they're all super yep. legit apparently. Also apparently this isn't the first time Disney's registered tartan patterns, which is also something <laughs> that's wild. I read They've that done too. It before. Yeah. How is that yeah. something they thought of? Oh, should we do our first ever listener thing? That'll be yes. fine. Uh to whichever listener is the first one to message us with what was what was the first tartan pattern they registered like for who what character what is the the answer uh for what they first registered because if you send that to us we'll 
I don't know, do something. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you an episode or we'll do yeah. a shout out or something. I don't know. But uh, that'll be our first ever listener trivia question. I love it. Go for it. Oh, and before we go into discussing things, here's yep. my little fun fact that I'm sure you know, but I would love for our listeners to know. Do you know who almost voiced Merida? I do know this. Reese Witherspoon. Yes, that's so weird. And yep. she apparently dropped out because she just couldn't nail the accent. She couldn't do the accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she couldn't. She was like really far along. Yeah. Like really far along. She was going to be Merida. And then it turns out she couldn't do the accent. <laughs> they had to drop her. It's so funny. Like at the time when she dropped out, there was some. They cited some other stuff. Like they were like, "Oh, her schedule just didn't work out and all." And then like five years later, yeah. she was like, "Yeah, it's because the accent was super hard, man." <laughs> she just she was like, she "At this point, I it. might as well just say what it really was." Yep, yep. I thought that was really interesting. Okay, that was that was peanut gallery. We can we can start talking about why this was very few people's favorite Disney Pixar movie. I'm not going to say nobody's like there's probably right. like five people, including the person who requested it. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> here is my here's my hot take. I don't know if this is a hot take. I'll, I'll start by saying I've never read Brave Discourse. Like, I don't actually know what people think. I just have a general sense of what people's response. Oh, I did some like, readings. So hmm, I'll, I'll represent the, best, the Internet for and you. <laughs> seemingly primarily led by like, hmm, it was kind of weird. Here's my my take. The bear doesn't work fundamentally the bear doesn't work that's my position yeah i think there is a movie in which a hot-headed scottish princess accidentally turns her mom into a bear and over the course of that movie a la brother bear she has to go travel with her mom and has to like undo the curse and in doing so they have to learn to communicate with each other even though they can't communicate and that is representative of their communication block etc i think that's very possible mostly because it's been done before, go for it. And funny. There's actually a lot of funny bear stuff. I will say this. A lot of the bear jokes, very funny. It is, I don't know, I have no idea if they had Emma Thompson do, like, the mocap. Couldn't tell you. But there's some really funny bear, like, physicality humor of, like, watching her, like, place her little tiara on her bear head and, like, sit down and be dainty with bear paws is hysterical. Like, really great physical humor. I don't think it works narratively mostly because what we just talked about, like the positives of their characteristics, they don't make any sense for the whole portion that she's the bear. And what I mean by that is like in the beginning of the movie, you're set up of, of what you had just mentioned, Shalila of like, okay, Merida is, she's stubborn. She's driven. She is, she's very like um, diligent about like what she wants. And, and she'll just sort of like, you know, she'll, she'll run against whatever it is that she wants until it happens and not in like a spoiled way and like a, I can make this happen away through the sheer willpower of my might. I will make this happen. Um, but she is also shown to be very like giving, like she like gives her brother's pastries underneath the table. And she's like, obviously very loving with her father and even mm -hmm. with her mother. Um, and we know that she's outdoorsy. All that is set. And then her mom is shown to be more reserved, more patient, very, very diligent in her thought process and very diplomatic, um, but also incredibly intelligent. She runs the kingdom. Like, that is very clear. I think that's actually a positive of the movie. They make it incredibly clear that Billy Connolly does nothing. <laughs> he basically right. hangs out with his dogs <laughs> and, like, eats meat all day and is just the face and she runs it. And I don't even think it's a question of credit. He doesn't even seem to take the credit. He, just, he sits down and she basically does it all. All that to be said... When she becomes a bear, she just becomes an idiot. 
And yeah. that was like my fundamental problem with the movie is all of a sudden her mom is a moron. Like she can't figure out to how to like sit at a table and eat out of a teacup as a bear. And while that is very physically funny, why on earth would she be trying to do that? Like I understand that the first scene that she's shocked to be a bear, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm a bear. Whatever. Like she, you know, her physicality is very confused. She's still trying to emulate her own body because that's what she's used to. Totally get that. But within the first day, she can't figure out how to fish. She's, like, unable to... Like, she keeps trying to simulate being this, like, dainty sort of queen. But by all accounts, we're shown that she's an incredibly intelligent woman. Just, like, shockingly intelligent and powerful and competent. Because her husband is shown to be not that... Not incompetent. He's just not the guy who does it. Like, that's her role. So why is she so dumb? I, it just fundamentally doesn't work for me because it, it then it becomes what it, what the journey boils down to is Merida's way of life was correct and her mom is incapable of doing all these things that her daughter can do. But in order for the finale to happen, her daughter has to learn how to like talk to people and be chill so that it can actually occur. And that's not really what the conflict was. And I feel like it reduces them down too much rather than exploring the actual intricacies. So long story short, my position on this movie is it was worse off for having her mother be a bear. And I think it would have been a more enjoyable movie if for whatever contrived reason you want, it is Merida and her mom lost in the woods. And it's just her mom needing, like, they just have to get out of the woods together. I think that would have been a more interesting movie. That's my bid. Over to you. You're basically reading out the, like, five things I wrote down. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, in, in many ways. I mean, I think I think there's this general consensus that the, the moment her mother turns into the bear is the moment this movie starts to just tumble downhill. Um, and I think in that sense, Brave was possibly this weird, weird first draft version of Onward, like we talked about. Like, there's that... You can't... You really can't ignore the fact that they both got those two big things, three big things, which is, like, child and mother relationship is complex because they've got different agendas. Number two, Mm -hmm. parent is... Cannot talk slash takes the form of something else that's completely unexpected and came out of nowhere. And number three, it's a set in a fairly magical world. Um, So in that sense there's commonalities so i don't know i I, not 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 to connect them in any sense i just feels like they got some things right like 10 years later um but i i completely agree i i just i again i don't really have a problem to be honest with the bear thing i think in the same way that everybody else does um not to generalize it's just like i think that like you said there is a way to do the bear thing it's just that the way they did it they pulled all the pixar out of it and they made it like a silly disney thing and again disney is great disney is fantastic but their strength is to do like silly and unexpected and pumpkin turns into carriage things where you're like yep i guess because you're disney you can do that but pixar is more about like grounding it so you're not like why why would she ever do that and this whole movie is like a sense of why would she ever on the on the part of merida and her mother um and i guess my my the way okay here's here's two things that i expected from this movie just based off the fact that it's been out for eight years and i hadn't seen it 
So based on what I'd heard, number one, I thought this movie was going to be all about archery. So that one was weird. I was like, where's the fucking archery? Um, <laughs> based on what I've yeah. heard, it's an archery movie and it's not. Um, but second, I, based on, I guess, just a lifetime of watching movies, the, the part where she comes home with the cake and she gives that cake to her mother and then her mother eats it and, you know, she's like walking back and slowly starts to feel a little sick and she's like, do you feel any different? I thought that the rest of the movie from that moment was going to be that her mother is actually changed the way Merida wanted and just suddenly decides that Merida is right. And then then we just go and see what happens from there. Like, what happens when the kid gets her way and doesn't realize that there are right. consequences. And in then sort of like a, like a Shrek 2 sort of way, right? Exactly. Like, in other words, like, I have changed for what you wanted, but now it turns out, of course, that that's not the way to go. Right. Yeah, exactly that. And that's what I thought, because I think that's a fascinating movie as well. It's, it's a whole different yep. way to... It's not the most unique thing, but also I don't honestly think it's been done in a Pixar movie before. And then I just think they could have done something really fascinating with it because, like you said, the father doesn't do anything. And that's by design. So what happens when nobody's doing anything? Merida doesn't want to take decisions. The mother is just doing whatever she wants. And the father is just trying to get the four clans not to fight. So then what happens? Like, I think that would just be so fascinating to take from there. But I guess instead, bears. Yep. Yeah, I, I also so agree with you on the fact that, like, it was just a weird transition that this bear was, like, slapstick funny and the mother was just extremely uptight and would never yeah. start, I don't know, comically spitting out water. They both work, but they don't work together. That's, like, my whole thing is that, like, a, a different character might have, but I don't know. It just didn't, it made it didn't make sense. Yeah, it was weird. You know what else I thought was really strange? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm a grown adult woman, but this movie was like a little scary. <laughs> Did you get that sense? Like, I got the slight sense that if I'd watched this as a young child, I would no. be a little yeah. haunted <laughs> by a I'm, lot of it. I have vague, very vague memories of seeing this movie in 2012 with my sisters, one of whom would have been four years old, I think. I think, and the other one would have been, I don't know, uh, 10 maybe, 8, 8 maybe, mm-hmm. um, and I've, I definitely remember this movie scaring the crap out of one of them, and me, like, as in, not not in its entirety, but there's just points when the villain, which is Mordu, this giant bear with a no eyeball, uh, when he shows up and it's just very, like, menacing, and that tonal shift is very dark and very weird and very scary, which is great, but it doesn't fit the rest of the movie. There's this whole other set of story involving like Mordu and his past. And like the fact that he was one of four brothers that didn't like, he chose to not help the clan and think about the greater community. And that caused the downfall. And maybe he murdered his family, I think, and also everybody else. And now he's just a eternal spirit bear. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, again, it's sort of like a, oh, that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. my goodness, that's a different and dark movie. Interesting and scary. But yeah, no, yeah. Also, um, when her mother started to, to kind of turn into the bear for a while, and you were like, oh, God, is she going to attack her child in a children's movie? And That part's, that part's very oh scary. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, also when um, they're... I mean, I knew that this couldn't happen because it would kill the plot completely. It would just cut it off at its root, but... The, the the part where the father and everyone goes off to 
probably kill the mother. Like, I was like, I'm kind of scared for this yeah. child. This is the most traumatic thing I can imagine. Like, she can't explain that her mother is in there and her mother's going to die <laughs> at the hands of her Which husband. Which, again, it, it, to me, that all feels very good. Like, it's set up well and it's done well and you're actually involved in it. You're like, I, wow, that was scary and I, I, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. This is actually pretty frightening. And it's not one of those movies where... I mean, sort of, even I had sort of forgot how it ends. So I will admit, for a second, I was kind of tricked of like, does the mom die? Like, I don't remember this, but right. I'm not positive the mom's getting out of this. Um, but the problem is it doesn't, like, it's not supported by the rest of the movie. It, it, it's like these really good moments that are just sort of like, oh, well, okay, I, yeah, that was really good. But where was that to begin with, sort of a thing? Yeah, because there's two at the least movies in this movie, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was just going to say, my I, I do have one giant quibble with this movie yeah. that is not at all important. But I swear to God, it, it will. It, I will let everything else go. I really will. It's the one part of the movie that I will die on this hill. I'm so curious. She goes to the witch. So Merida finds not Stonehenge. And when she finds not Stonehenge, she finds a witch's hut. And the witch is like, hey, I somehow exist in the capitalist system of building stuff in this ancient period. Right. Do you want to buy my toy trinkets? And she says, no, give me a cake so I can change my mom. Like, I want my mom to change. I want her to be different. And the witch is like, you got it, boss. And she makes her a cake. <laughs> she feeds that cake to her mom. And her mom turns into a bear, which is a fair way to perceive that. It's weird, but, like, I get it. Like, that's a very fantasy, you know classic Grimm's brother like bro- Grimm's brother, brother's Grimm um <laughs> style like fairy tale right? right like oh you know you asked for one thing monkey's Whoopsies, paw you got you got what you wanted for, yeah totally totally with you all good in the last 20 minutes of that movie her three human little brothers end up eating that cake and when they do they turn into bears here's my problem that means the witch gave her a turn you into a bear cake. I was not going to a say. change your mom cake. The whole point was that she said, I want my mother. I want you to make me something that will change my mother. And she said, you got it. This will change your mother. This uh, like, I'm going to specially brew a potion for you. And she pulls a piece of hair out of Merida's head. Like it's that specific. specific. It's like a home brewed potion. She's like, here you go. This is for your mom. It'll turn into a bear. And then her brothers eat it, and they turn into bears. And my that is the dumbest quibble, but it really is my quibble with this movie. I will let everything else go. I will nominate it as my favorite movie if they can explain to me how that makes it. Not a, what she actually sold her was a turn anybody into a bear cake. Which is not the point of the movie. <laughs> here's, my, here's my pitch for this. The witch is actually a really bad witch. Here are my four She's pieces terrible, of evidence. She's terrible, right? She sucks. Yeah, but I, I can yeah. defend this in the court of law. Okay, go. Number one, she can't even subsist on the power of being a witch. She has to carve wood. <laughs> So she she's has not to, like, good at her job. engage in the market system. Yeah. yeah. Number two, she's clearly been cast out by the community of witches and is living in a little hobbit hole by <laughs> by fake Stonehenge. So again, not a good witch. Number three, she can only make bear cake because she gave it to her mother and her mother turned into a bear. And number four, because the only thing we've ever seen of her magic is that she's given a cake to the three boys, the mother and that other prince, and all five of those people have turned into bears. This is proof that oh, she can yeah. only do one spell, and it is bear cake. You're right. She's just a turn people into bear witch. Yeah. 
There you have it. Right. I can't believe this is the woman that the Pixar theory hinges on. A subpar witch. (laughs) Subpar witch. But, I mean, fair. Like, very fair that that is is exactly what it is. Uh, Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's that she's just a bad witch. Damn. I don't know how that makes me feel about the movie. Well, that's what I said. Like, it's not, it's not like the most important thing in the world, but it really bothered me. It's just like, it felt like a weird, like, I don't know, like one of those flaws where it's like, are you kidding me? Like, how is, how did you not think of that or something? I don't know how to describe my feeling of just like the whole movie hinges on this one thing. And that one thing feels like you kind of didn't really do it. So I don't really know how to like. I, I guess it just, as a general rule, this movie did not leave me with a sense of satisfaction. Like, it was, it tried a bunch of things, and those things were all interesting or fine, but none of them felt like they ended. They started a bunch of things that they didn't really finish. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'll try and put some words to the thing we're talking about, about there being multiple movies in this movie. I think, here's my issue. This movie is juggling a lot of themes, and... I, the, the real thing is that I don't want to say that that's ever inherently a weakness because every good story juggles more than one theme, first off. And then most yeah. good stories very clearly juggle like two to three. And that's the point of why they're valuable stories. Um, but this movie is trying to tell us about coming of age, uh, gender roles and the limitations of tradition, um, a mother-daughter relationship. And changing your fate or like free will or some concept like that. And I think the problem is that it's not just that they didn't touch on all of these enough or they let some go or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's true. But that's a weakness with a lot of stories. The problem is that themes are actively at war with each other. Like on one hand, this movie opens and closes with quotes about how you can change your fate if you're just brave enough. And free will is a thing and and you just have to face your destiny and you you just need to be brave enough and you can change it. But on the other hand, the story is about how you have to learn to communicate and to um, make sacrifices and to listen and to trust in your family and how if you both go back and forth, you'll understand where the other one's coming from. And that's kind of at odds with the free will thing. So it's just very like micro versus macro. Like she didn't at the end of the story, she didn't really change her destiny so much as they all just kind of learned to communicate and they challenged something that could have always been challenged. Like that, the point is that they didn't have to go up against some kind of super strong system they've always shown that the other clans including the father all four clans are basically run by like silly men who who don't really care or know what's going on and that like the tradition never mattered like they would fight with each other at the drop of a hat anyway so it's not like the you know the tradition was holding the peace or anything like that plus the, the fight was silly like basically there are no stakes it doesn't matter. The point is, would they learn from each other? It's not like, can she go forward and save the kingdom? Um, and it's it's bizarre. Like it's like, is it about what they learned as a family, or is it about the societal impacts? And like you said, like on one arc, they're basically saying, "Hey, Merida was right all along. Like her mother was just holding her back and never really understood her. And now, you know, as a bear, her mother kind of learns this, and so does society. And it just yeah. results in some macro change in her fate." But on the other hand, we're saying, no, Merida was wrong. She was being an impulsive child and she was being a teen. So she couldn't see that her mother was doing what was best for her. But now she's learned better. And she says, I'm sorry to her mother at the end. So they both learn to communicate better. And it's a lovely little story about family and not about fate. I agree. 
I think one of the problems is that the epilogue doesn't clear any of that up. Like, the epilogue doesn't do anything to actually show you what they learned. So basically, at the very end of the movie, it does not do anything to show that the parties have actually learned or changed anything. And what I mean by that is, it shows that they've each done something surface level. So, like, when it goes through the end narration, Merida has, like, sewn a new thing, tapestry, with her mom. And you're like, okay, great, she learned to sew i guess like i think that was a thing in the beginning was that she didn't really want to partake in that i don't really know but she does it and then her mom rides a horse with her and you're like great her mom is outdoors with her and that's it like that is how they (laughs) convey that they've changed which again like what you just said like it doesn't actually go to show that they've done anything and in fact i would argue that the movie ends by basically saying merida was right and the mom sucked because the end of the movie is basically like, you don't have to marry them if you don't want to. Like, they can basically win you over with their hearts when they're ready, when you're ready, and when they're ready, and they can, you know, you can fall in love, and that's all kosher. Good to go. But was that really the journey? Like, was the journey, like, learning that it's okay to fall in love <laughs> as opposed to being wed to someone? Because I don't get the sense, nothing else about the epilogue tells me that the mom has come over to understanding Merida's intense need for free will, nor does it tell me at all that Merida has come over to understanding her mom's need for diplomacy. Ever. There's nothing that Merida does to change in that movie. Like, she doesn't make a sacrifice at the end. And I think that's really important. There's no sacrifice for Merida. At all. She doesn't give anything up. So, in that case, what did she actually learn then? Like, what, what, what changed? And I don't think there is a change. So... I don't know. I don't know where to land with it. Like, I don't know what was meant to be shown or what we're not getting, but it's not there, evidently. Yeah. I think it's especially disappointing because the first act of the movie is a really good and valuable portrayal of that thing between a child and any parental figure where they, they need to tell you what to do. And it's going to be against what you think you want to do and what you think is right. And you're going to think you're right to the ends of the earth. And most of the time you're not. And yeah, both sides have a little bit of acquiescing to do. But the whole point is that has to be solved in a, in a healthy way. Like you both need to sit down and have a conversation. Right. And to some extent, every single time, the child has to compromise. Because that's why or, we have a Or like on the, on, on the flip, like... Uh, basically the, the exact opposite of that or you need to show us that the mom is tyrannical right like, like what you need to show us something. is that the mom's refusal to respect Merida's wishes is somehow more than like just Her i don't really want to do this the, the inherent stubbornness it has to be more than that like you you and and they do technically set up a stake they do tell you that if she doesn't marry her the clans are going to go to war and if they go to war that's bad because people die and i'm all on board for that but all that really does is reinforce that Merida's not doing the best. Like, I don't, there's just not, right. I don't know. There, there's, there, there's like a mismatch because they show the mother to be so competent and to be otherwise so in control and everything's good. The husband's happy. The family's happy. The kingdom seems happy. There's like plenty of food. Everything's chill. So Merida's like constant pushback doesn't feel correct. And... To, to liken that to something we had just talked about a second ago, because it's exact, literally the same scenes and half the same dialogue occur in the first season of Game of Thrones, 
it works in Game of Thrones between Arya and her mother because there's a sister to compare it to. Right. So you know, like, it's okay that Arya's pushing back and they're like, hey, that's bad. Don't do that. Because there's a sister who's completely acquiescing. And you also see that the sister, through her acquiescing, isn't that happy either. So you get the idea that that's actually not necessarily a good thing. It can be if you want it to be, but it can also be bad if it's not. And we're just not shown that at all. Yeah. Like, they don't talk about how the mom isn't set up to be like, she's not full of regret or something because she had to marry King Fergus. None of it. So, again, I I don't know where to land. Like you just said, is she a petulant child? Or is the movie about her, like, the, the deep desire for free will being an inherently good thing? In which case, her mom is the villain. Mm. But neither of those are set up well, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The first third of this movie is a is a really cool setup for a payoff that never comes. Really good first third. Yeah. Beautiful shots, beautiful music, great interactions. That scene where she goes up and like shoots for her own hand. Super cool. Really yep. cool stuff. Very cool. Touching moments too. Like really touching interactions between her and her dad especially. Yeah. And like really natural. I really like the dialogue between the two of them at that yeah. archery scene when he's like joking with her and he's like clearly on her side about like, yeah, these guys suck. <laughs> like, right. There's just a lot of naturalism there that I'm like, nice. Yeah, that's that's great. And that felt like a perfect opportunity when her mom like freaks out, throws the bow in the fire. It felt like a great opportunity to re-up and basically show why that's bad is essentially like constraining and, and adhering to tradition and being really rigid are not inherently bad. It's that they can slippery slope really fast. Right. In the same way that complete rejection of them can also slippery slope so exactly. by her rejecting all traditions she might cause them to go to war but her mom by adhering to them may end up like permanently harming her relationship with her child or if you'd gone further like whatever she imprisons her daughter or make it up but instead she becomes a bear <laughs> the movie yeah. just completely changes and it throws so it out the window i would like to offer because technically this is an episode what i was told when this episode was requested was please talk about how brave is the best movie ever and specifically the best Pixar movie ever. So Boy, did I not follow instructions. We have not done that. What I would like to offer instead uh, to my dear friend Carrie, and as a general concept, because I don't want to make it sound like I hated Brave. I did not hate Brave. Right. Again, I think it's a... Brave has the unfortunate circumstance of being a Pixar movie that is fine, uh, which is a rough place to be. Um. I think that Brave has a really amazing legacy. And I think that's what I kind of want to leave my opinion on is that I think Brave was a, uh, it was a really interesting attempt at a lot of things. Like you said, narrative things. It was their first time having a, a, like things that they just should have been doing. They had a lead woman character, et cetera. They redeveloped their entire animation system uh, like you were just talking about, Onward definitely feels like the bones of Braver in Onward. It just has to be. Like, uh, there, there's no way you can ignore that connection. And I think there's other Pixar movies and even Disney movies that feel like they're connected to Brave in a way. I definitely had a little bit of Moana vibes while I was watching it. I definitely had a little bit of Tangled vibes while I was watching it. Like, there is a a legacy that it has left of amazing animation, truly like out of this world animation interesting narratives deeper explorations of like parent child relationships in mainstream animation uh and something we mentioned at the beginning actual archery in the real world right uh basically they said like a crazy number of 
uh, young young women and girls became archers after this because of this and, and the Hunger Games, basically. Um, there was some stat of like six in ten people surveyed were like, yeah, it's because of these movies. Uh, and those are really great legacies to leave. I just don't think that means this particular film in a vacuum managed to uphold all of that. But it, it spawned a lot of great things. I think that's where I want to leave my opinion. I completely agree. I'll say um, one more thing, which is that the bear thing is weird, and it, a lot of people think so, and I, uh, to some extent, think so. That said, I think if you're going to do it, and if you're going to give it one, pardon me, brave shot, uh, oh I think Pixar is one of the <laughs> studios. Again, not to say that you know the one big Disney Monopoly studio is the only one who can get it right. Like For example, I, I would love to see what like Leica did with something like that. I love other mm, studios. Yeah. They're great. But I just think that Pixar, some of that Pixar magic it made it so it was a fun watch regardless. Like, while I was watching this movie, I wasn't like, damn, this sucks. Like, I, I had fun with it. You yeah, know? no, and no. It was magical yeah. and fun. And I, I had to suspend a little disbelief, but it's not like I wasn't laughing along and cheering and gasping. Um, so they did a good job with the weirdness that yeah. they had. I feel like you and I have talked about this. Of like, if it sounds like we're being really negative for this movie, it's because, as a general rule, Pixar and also this movie is pretty good. And I think we've talked about that of like, when movies are really good, or in general are good, or like you expect a lot from that filmmaker, you can kind of afford yourself to be a little meaner to it because it has like, it's almost like it has the, the, the weight to bear it. Like, on, you know, this movie is made by the. I guess second most successful animation studio of all time, at least from Hollywood, uh, behind, I guess, Disney as a whole. Um, it's incredibly popular. It made just gobs of money. Like it doesn't need defenders. And which means I feel comfortable basically saying like, I expected more from this, but none of that is to say that it's terrible. Right. Versus if this had been like a bad movie, you probably wouldn't hear us talking about it because we would have been like, yeah, it's pretty fun. Because we just don't have a lot to say. Right. Like, there's nothing else to exactly. really go on. Like, exactly. So, yeah, it's okay. Like, good movies deserve to be critiqued and deserve to be kind of picked apart. So, this is a perfectly enjoyable movie. I love that. It's a good place to land. It's also profitable. Uh, it is, which I don't know why that matters, but it does to me as a nerd. Uh, yeah. It also <laughs> like won it's, 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 the It's Oscar. not like it failed. Yeah. Which is it's not like it failed at all. Yeah. The, the only Pixar movie that has ever come under budget is Onward. And that's possibly because of a pandemic. So even the good dinosaur pulled over its budget. So it's not like Brave is not successful. I'm going to argue that Brave was probably more meaningful from a marketing sense for those companies. I feel like I've never not seen Brave merchandise even to this day. They yeah. still sell those dresses in the Disney store. They still Man, sell the they bows. still sell dolls, which is great. Yeah. She is glorious My sister hair. was so into it. They had all the bows. They had the horses. Like, they're just uh actually that's a good point the hair thing my my littlest sister has very like wild untamable hair and i know that she has brought up brave of like she feels like it's fine which it is because of brave i love that and that's like a cool thing it's cool to see that being represented so yeah i think that's kind of that's kind of it those are all my thoughts on brave anything any other thoughts you want to throw in before we jump to a strange game no i think that wraps it up i'm excited about this game though okay so I had a different game that just came to my brain that I'm going to make you play first. Okay. Uh, and Shalila has no preparation for this. So that's the best part. Um, 
so in this movie, as you have described uh, thoroughly for people, the mother unexpectedly turns into a bear. What I would like to know is, uh, can you like? Wait, I'm going to set like a timer. Oh God! Yeah, I'm going to set. I'm going to set a timer. What I want to know is how many movies about people turning into animals unexpectedly can you name in 30 seconds? Go. Oh God! I'm sorry to bother you. Um. Uh. Sh- God, should should more come to mind? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Probably a lot more. I've never watched movies in my life. Um, Brother Bear. <laughs> um, yep. Good. That was a that was a gimme. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh Lord. Uh, I'm beyond drawing a blank right now. Turning into animals. You got two seconds. Nope. There's a. I don't know. Okay. That was thirty seconds. <laughs> Wait. You got a whole. You got, got two, two movies. <laughs> We need to rerun this when I'm not caught by surprise, Eric. <laughs> Two whole movies. Okay. Oh God, what I feel more? like there's some there's some obvious ones we might have missed. Um, I'm gonna say uh, we definitely missed some some bad movies or some old TV shows. Depending on how you want to go, like uh, famous ones like The Shaggy Dog. Uh, okay, that's yeah. that's a good one. Spirited Away. Oh God. Uh, when her parents just suddenly become pigs yeah. is pretty frightening. Princess and the Frog. Uh, most recently, and I think most relevantly, Spies in Disguise, Good <laughs> in God. which Will Smith becomes a freaking pigeon. This is a answer. That game, this is that's like going to be relevant answer. in a second. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Lobster. Oh my God. Uh, for those listening, if you've never seen that movie, I don't know if I could recommend it, but if you feel like you want to have a really wild two hours of your life, go find the Lobster and watch it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, a movie about people that have to be turned into animals if they don't find a wife. And I just don't know how. It's a bonkers movie. Um, I never saw this movie, but Tusk, the Kevin Smith movie, oh, where yeah, Justin Long becomes a walrus. Either. Never saw it. But um, Beauty and the Beast, technically. Emperor's New Groove, which is definitely Brave, but with David Spade. I think we should mention that Brave and the Emperor's New Groove have very similar basic plot elements. Yeah. Which is that pacha and kuzco have to learn to talk to each other and be chill so that they can undo the curse yep same movie yep love a good um those are all the ones that like come right to my mind okay i'm gonna i'm gonna spring something on you now (laughs) okay we're gonna do a modified version of this but i'm a little more gracious than you so this is a lot easier um i love it i guess technically this this is a this is a subcat the one you asked is a subcategory for what I'm asking, but you can't rename any movies. Um, okay. Name Uh-oh. in 30 seconds. Hold on, I gotta set a timer here, don't I? Um, in 30 seconds, as many movies as you can where people turn into other people. Go. Where people turn into other people? Uh, okay, Face Off, I guess. Um, yep. Freaky Friday. Yep. Um, I don't know if this really counts, but sort of the parent trap. They don't turn into other people, but they pretend to be other people. Um white chicks i think uh uh sort of i guess um turning into other people any of the harry potter movies involving polyjuice potions um yeah uh oh shrek 2 we just mentioned shrek uh yep um okay (laughs) that's everything that comes to my mind 
The only good, right? the first thing that came to my mind was the hot chick starring Rob Schneider. So you're you're doing much better than oh, I am. Oh goodness, yeah, weird poll. Nice, I like it. I don't. That think was good. I liked that. That was good. That was great. I liked that. That was a good game. Uh, okay, so now for a non-timed game, oh, and God. this one we're definitely going to have a little bit of overlap. But what I would like to know is, um, what other movies can you think of from your life where the trailer? did not at all convey what the movie ended up being about. And the reason we're playing this is because famously the trailers for Brave in no way told people that there was a bear. Like it just, as in not like Merida's mom's bear. There was just the, the, the turn into a bear plot was utterly absent. And when people saw this movie, it was like a very big shocking, like, wait, what? <laughs> what is happening? Because it just wasn't there. So what I would like to know is, are there any other movies you can think of that do that? where you feel that way where you're like i i truly did not know that was going to happen there are a few i think i mean is this essentially asking like misleading trailers i guess so yeah yeah not not misleading where it's like maybe not intentionally like i'm not going to say they were like right not the way like a let's tell them about something else right yeah it's more just like they wanted to set a tone and they didn't bother to mention the big thing where you're like wait what about this entire important thing that's not yeah Okay, so we, we obviously have Spies in Disguise, which is just, I really cannot yeah. believe that they didn't hammer home the pigeon Phenomenal. part. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, this is this is weird, but I remember, I remember being pretty annoyed about this. Frozen. I feel like the original trailers for Frozen were nothing about, like, ice queens. They were all just, like, Olaf and reindeer. Really? Yeah. I'm I don't remember I'm pretty that. sure this is actually completely true for right at the beginning for a few months they were like it's a little fairy tale about some creatures dancing around in the snow and i remember thinking that it was just basically like a short and it was not i don't remember that at all i'm gonna have to go find some frozen you should go watch the very first one i remember so clearly that it's like one minute of olaf and you're like i'm sorry (laughs) what what else just completely didn't give oh um i feel like pan's labyrinth was a very different movie from the trailers. Yeah, I never saw the trailers, but um, I, I will, I'm going to agree with you from what I knew anecdotally, which is that friends of mine were like, oh, it's like a really good fantasy movie. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, I'm going to scream. This is terrifying. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, oh, 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 wait. I've got a last one. Oh, go click, for it. Go for it. Click. Freaking click. Click was like... With Adam Sandler? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like... I Like the trailers, the trailers? were like... Fun little Adam Sandler comedy. Oh, okay. No, totally agree then. I, I completely agree with you. I didn't know that's a trailer showcase. That's it. Those were that's, the trailers. They were like, yes. yeah, it's a fun ride. Have fun. You like Adam Sandler? You love this one. Not what you think. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, hit me. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. Uh, I remember feeling that way when I just started watching it, period. <laughs> um, click. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Um I'm going to throw out, what do I want to throw out here? Oh, well, okay. Actually, maybe this is like a little bit of a cheating answer. Maybe not. I'm going to say Iron Man 3 for a couple of reasons. A, that movie is way more about PTSD than anything would have made you think it is. Like, it just isn't talked about really uh, in the trailers. Like, it's just like, here's Iron Man again. And then the movie is deeply psychological. And then two, I think most famously, of course, is the mandarin who is the villain in that movie and is utterly terrifying and then of course 
ends up just not being. And I like that's intentional, obviously, but that is a wild swing between the trailers and what ended up being true. Very fair. Really wild change of pace. Um, Spies in Disguise was going to be one of mine because that was just such a shock. And that wasn't even to the movie. That was just trailer to trailer. Trailer one to trailer two. Totally different movies. Um, I'm trying to think about other ones where it was just so utterly different than what I remember going into it. Um, man, I don't know if any others are coming to mind. You had, you had some really good ones, though. That was a really good poll. I just thought of another one, too. I was very surprised by Birdman. I feel like they made it sound like it was some kind of actual mech superhero movie from the trailer. And um, boy, was it not. Interesting. I remember watching the show because I didn't watch this. I watched this like a year ish late. Like I, I just I remember being really embarrassed that I skipped the entire season where it was huge. So I watched it the next year. So I watched the trailer right before, and I remember going, "Huh, this isn't what I've heard about the movie," because it wasn't. <laughs> but I think right. I think if you revisit the trailer, this will make more sense. I'm going to also put in um, Suicide Squad. Oh god. <laughs> I know we've talked yeah. weirdly a lot. But basically less I guess the tone too, but more than anything, there was like a ton of music in that trailer, like a lot of cool licensed music and the trailers were just really like specifically to one tone and then that was only present in about the first 15 minutes of the movie and then it utterly did not have it again. So, <laughs> it was a trailer for the first 10 minutes, but not for the entire movie. Um, I'm going to also mention I don't know people who watch this movie so this is going to be more niche probably did you ever see The Forbidden Kingdom? okay we can do an entire episode on that because I've seen it 8 times I had it on DVD holy crap that is unexpected and why did you watch it so many times? I love it I unironically love that movie I love it so much. The last, you know, the scene, okay. I don't even want to, you know, right at the end when he like emerges and jumps <laughs> off the roof and he lands down and he's yep. just himself again. Like he's Jason. I'm obsessed with this movie. Let's not even get into it. Go on. Just go on. Okay. Because I think that deserves it. I remember getting my dad to bring me to it because I was so excited for this movie. The trailers for the Forbidden Kingdom marketed it like it was going to be this awesome wuxia film set in ancient China <laughs> that had the two legends it had jackie chan and jet lee which is just right amazing like it just you know it's like an avengers film you just couldn't believe it and then the actual movie is about a freaking white kid <laughs> it's just like this <laughs> i really weird, didn't like, know the trailers were like that <laughs> yeah and it's like this crazy like oh let's get a magic stick back to its person and it's like there is martial arts in it but it's way more like funny and if, that's the one that has the Monkey King, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah, all the flying on the ceiling. That movie is just nonsense. <laughs> like, it's not actually... It's incomprehensible. It's kind of wuxia, but not really. And I don't know. It just was not at all uh, what I was expecting. So I'm going to throw that in there. The other thing that I want to... Uh, the other thing that I want to put in there... This is going to be a huge spoiler, just so everybody <laughs> knows. So if you care, don't listen to skip. this i guess yeah two minutes ahead this is a this is a, a a spoiler for the movie collateral beauty with will smith so if you haven't seen it spoilers ahead collateral beauty <laughs> is a will smith movie 
that positioned itself as a remake of A Christmas Carol, sort of, where it was basically like this guy loses his daughter and in like a really tear jerky trailer, like really emotional trailer, he writes letters to time, death and love. And in response to these letters, time, death, and love, like the physical manifestations of time and death and love come to exist. And they like show up and they talk to him very much like in a Christmas Carol sort of way. And like they sort of act in the same way of like, you know, you got to talk to each of us and you got to go through some stuff in order to yeah, get over this. Yeah, it's a big and, sad boy movie. You know, very emotional, right? Yeah. And, and that is what it was posited at. And I was really excited for it. Totally into it, right? Kid you not, 20 minutes into the movie. It turns out they're paid actors. Yep. Paid actors who are paid by employees of his, like friends of his, that are trying to get him to be like no longer in the company because they think it's going to fail and everyone's like freaked out. Um, so they like gaslight the hell out of him. By making him think that he's talking to the ghosts of time, death, and love, and digitally removing those people from videos so that he thinks he's insane. That is the most left, like, out of left field, crazy twist, has nothing to do with the trailer, just absolutely nonsense. Uh, it's not a good movie, but I just want to say that one is definitely, like, if you had thought it from the trailers, it's just not at all what the movie ended up being. I had wiped that movie almost entirely from my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, if you if yeah. you imagine yourself in his place, it's certainly a thriller. It is every kind of horror. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Truly terrifying. I, um, my <laughs> final bit is yes. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Cabin in the yeah. Woods is one in which they intentionally did not reveal what it was. Right. But by all you trailers, you're like, oh, great. Full horror. Horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I wait. I, this is this has jogged my memory. <laughs> I'm this this game is never ending. I will limit myself. But um, I remember one that I was furious about: Passengers, freaking Passengers. Um, by I all, never saw it. What's oh God. Is it not what the trailer was? Do you, okay, so it's not. I'll tell you. I'll just I'll just tell you what it is. So here's the deal: it's not misleading in the same sense as some of the other ones on this list. Here's my problem. Do you mind if I just spoil it? Because it, it sucks and nobody Please should do. ever, ever, ever give this movie the time of their day. So, according to the trailers, it was a fun, interesting sci-fi romp where J-Law and Chris Pratt are in space and they're on this spaceship. And right. it's so mysterious. The two of them are awake and, like, what will they do with fate and the spaceship? It, whatever, you know? The whole the whole thing that yeah, they didn't it's like, tell. It's kind of romancey, right? Right. It's That's exactly. What I it's like it's kind of like it's they have to fall the in love being the only hot, two people in space, and it's only yeah. them, and I guess like a robotic bartender, right? Um, and the thing that they and I understand, I understand the twists exist in sci-fi. The problem is the twist in this movie is so egregious that I cannot believe this movie was made. It, and honestly, they should have just told us this in the trailer so we could have decided that you should go watch this movie if you're a bad person. Otherwise, just skip it. So what actually happens in the movie is that Chris Pratt wakes up um, due to some, I can't remember, like some malfunction or something. Like, again, all of them are supposed to be in like cryo sleep or whatever for a lot, lot more right. time, like millennia, whatever. I don't know, hundreds of years at right. least. Or, or tens, whatever. Basically, they're, he now that he's up, he's clearly going to die alone on the spaceship. Um, because they won't be there for many years. 
So he wakes her up because he's alone. He's lonely and he just wants a female companion. And then he never tells her. Like, he's like, I don't know, so weird how we just both woke up, huh? And she's like, oh, yeah, so weird. Guess we should be friends because we're both going to die here together. But she never needed to die. He woke her up. He killed her, essentially. That's so the is thing. it a thriller? Like, no, does it end up becoming like, no. oh, I have to figure it out? No, it, it, it they basically treat it like a normal sci-fi movie. But the there's just this underlying tone of this man is sentencing this woman to death who never needed to die but then they never find it weird like it's like weird like underlying misogyny the whole time like you're like i'm sorry are they never gonna hold him responsible for this so that's the weird thing Hmm. about it well if this game has taught us anything it's that compared to the list of movies we just mentioned brave is very good grading on that scale brave is one of the better of the movies we just mentioned yeah Yeah. i feel like all these are terrible like every other (laughs) tiny one i can bring to mind the only other okay ones that i ended up actually kind of liking were i guess magic mike surprisingly great movie that looked like a stripper movie i mean well magic Mike one was okay magic mike two is a masterpiece um oh another terrible one after earth after okay wait Uh, i do i don't know if i do you think the trailers missold that movie? Honestly, I feel like the trailers exactly bit. sold that movie. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it looked like there was going to be a lot more action than there was. <laughs> okay, that's wasn't. fair. There's a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. You know what? Here's what I'll agree with you on. Here's what they missold. They missold that Will Smith is in the movie. Yeah. Because he is in it, but he sits in one place for the full movie. He doesn't leave that place, and then I think he dies because he breaks so, his legs. That is true. He missell. It's like this will be a Jaden Will Smith combining. You know, can't you believe the star power? And instead, it's like, nah. It's mostly just Jaden Smith hanging out on some CGI animals yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. So Brave is good. Well, like I said, I think this should. Yeah. What this proves is that Brave is good. So, anyway, that's uh, that's where I think we'll leave that game. <laughs> that Brave is good, and trailers should sell the movies that they're selling. That's what I think. Fantastic. Um, yeah. All right. Well, as always, uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify or iTunes. It's not iTunes anymore. I think iTunes is dead. But Apple, Apple. Podcasts. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Uh, are you still watching? In fact, I think we have a fun new thing that lets you see where we are at all the time makes me really wish that i had prepared what the link is before this very moment (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it's like an easy to find link but here's what i'll say if you go to our twitter which is a y s w pod on twitter you will see the link which will basically show where you can get our podcast like every place you can get it of which there are many um you can also check us out on patreon uh which i believe is uh, patreon.com slash AYSW uh, in case you would like to support us in making our podcasts and I just want to say one last thank you to Carrie for requesting Brave and for contributing to our fundraiser um, we will be doing a couple more of these requested episodes I don't know which one will be next but I guess I can give you a preview of what they are mm-hmm. other requested movies are masterpieces like Snakes on a Plane and The Mighty Ducks so it's going to be a strong couple of episodes. I'm I'm very excited about this. Yep. Good stuff to look forward to. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, you can find uh, myself on Twitter at more Eric Morales. And you can find me on Twitter at Okay Shalila. And I think that's it. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.